This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of... And on this episode, I'll be talking to Ola Labib, a Muslim female comedian who I found online, uh, discovered online. She's absolutely hilarious, funny. Uh, she's also a pharmacist at the moment, working in the hospitals. Um, so she's not a full-time comedian, but she will be. I'm sure of that. She's absolutely hilarious and absolutely brilliant. And she's probably one of the few comedians as well that wears a hajib when she's on stage. In, in her real life, of course, as well. It's not a costume. But, um, yes, yeah, I had great crack, great chat and great crack with her. And, uh, but in the meantime, I've been, uh, trying to keep up with the exercise, but I've banjaxed my foot again. And it's been, uh, oh, so annoying. Uh, I may have said it before that it was sore, uh, plantar fasciitis. I rested it for two weeks and didn't do any running and then went back to the gym and in one of the um, CrossFit classes there was a run involved and I ran in my second run. It just was like a bolt of lightning hit the bottom of my right heel. It was like, like electricity and it was gone. Banjax limping now since that but I've done a bit of therapy on it and physical therapy and uh, it'll be better I'll get it better don't worry is it age related I'm not sure is this what happens when you when you get older that little bits of your body start wearing out I I don't know I don't know I hope not I I don't think so I'm sure I have to take more care possibly when you're younger you can just walk around in shite second hand shoes or two sizes too big for you and you'll be fine but as you get older, you have to be, um, have to go for, uh, uh, sensible shoes. Um, that kind of thing. So I've been watching a lot of movies recently of, um, from, uh, the, um, 60s. Um, but I got interested in Burt Lancaster, an actor that I hadn't really, I knew his name and knew what he looked like, but I wasn't really aware of his, uh, uh work that well. So I've w- watched, um, a, a film called The Swimmer. I would really recommend The Swimmer. It's the um, it's it's an odd film from the time it was late sixties that it was shot. 
it starts off quite real and it's this guy who he's in his speedos Burt Lancaster for the whole of the movie in his little togs and uh, he decides he looks across the, the this valley and he it, kind of a rich upper middle class area and goes ah oh, there's all these people who have their swimming pools he could make his way back to his house by going from one swimming pool to the other swimming pool and kind of almost swimming home anyway. But anyway, it turns out it starts getting all sorts of weirdness and it's almost going like, oh, this is a dream, this isn't real. And then it unravels this 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 man's life before your very eyes, but subtly as well. Uh, that is one, Burt Lancaster. And last night I watched uh, The Sweet Smell of Success, Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis, a film noir, black and white, Brilliant movie. Not gangsters though, they're like a gossip columnists in, in a New York newspaper with, who wield a lot of power and it's dark and, and tragic. Yeah. And it's really good. It's really good. Great dialogue in it. Um, and then, uh, what else did I watch? Oh, Enemy Mine, which is a sci-fi film from the 80s with Dennis Quaid in it. And, you know, it's sci-fi and there's an alien and Dennis Quaid and they're trapped on an island. But the alien and their enemies and uh, the, they begin, they have to get on. And the alien has a different religion and he's got his book that he reads from and um, and is also not, I say he, because it's neither he nor she is the alien is a hermaphrodite and is able to just become pregnant and does that, in fact, in the movie. And so the film, although it is odd and at times a bit crap in, in the um, the quality of the production of the set and stuff like that, it's also brilliant in the um, fact that it's kind of like this, this diff- two different races with different religion, totally alien, of course, to each other even in gender and uh, and they get on they learn to really absolutely uh, love each other and it's yeah ahead of its time in that sense I mean I don't know if there's any film I know of that deals can deal with the gender in that way so I would recommend it Enemy Mine and uh, can I think of any other ones that I've watched no well that, there are three really good ones that I've watched I want to watch uh, The Killers uh, it's another Bert Lancaster one that I want to watch um, tonight, perhaps. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's it. That's so. Um, you know, it's tough times. Uh, as g- I did a gig last week, uh, a live gig, my first gig in five months, and it was absolutely brilliant outside in a, in a covered kind of area. Um, I don't know when I'll do my next gig. I, you can never tell if you do have a gig booked. It can be cancelled at any moment. They can uh, they can change the rules. Um, and uh, but uh, we've got to keep going through this because uh, you know it's happened before it's happened in in, in 1918 obviously with the spanish flu and lots of other things there's been um you know scarlet fever and um diphtheria and their german measles and polio and all this and and uh, earlier generations have had to go through this and we now we have the wonders of modern science and and, and medicine and i don't think we should be i think we should go with it and Let's see how it goes. It's going, I'm sure, within a year, something will be discovered, a vaccine or a cure. Um, but it's tough times. But it's also a good time to discover new things. I'm, I'm not like a, being creative and I'm like kind of, 
and I've been writing a few sketches and shooting sketches and and uh, and and um, although there's no gigs and no financial reward for this, it is an it is a way of just uh, trying out different things. So. Oh, no, I'm not like most people. I'm not doing DIY or whatever. I haven't made a, a garden shed or put up shelves or uh, painted any rooms. But I've done little thing, things that I wanted to do. And that's a positive way to look at it, isn't it? Just try something new that you've always wanted to do. I haven't been reading big books or Ulysses around like that, but I've done what I wanted to do. Well, as you may or may not know, Potter Rooney is part of the Headstuff podcast network, which is full of... All sorts of podcasts from comedy to politics to books and indeed storytelling. And here's one of my favourites and one I think you'll enjoy yourself. Once upon a time. Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? My name is Kevin C. Olan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. Um, so, uh, well, listen, this is a good one. This is uh, Ola Labib, and she is funny and brilliant and lovely and a wonderful person, and she's going to go far. I know it. Ola Labib. the need to know comedy show um so i think you're you've been busy i mean you're actually working during this lockdown i am yeah i am uh i'm a clinical pharmacist so i work at hospital um so tough time and is it like is it tough now with the with the coronavirus or does that affect you um it's it's a lot busier than what we're used to um I caught corona uh whilst working so yeah yeah I was off sick for like three weeks um I worked on a covid ward so um I caught it don't know it could be off a patient could be off stuff have no idea but at least now I've got antibodies so if anybody needs any plasma call me up (laughs) and how how long were you off then I think I was off for about three weeks I think it was about three weeks it really hit me hard like proper hit me hard but uh yeah bounced back and back to normal yeah so it's a it is pretty bad it's a bad dose <laughs> obviously oh yeah 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 yeah. like oh some people are um asymptomatic so some people get it and they don't feel anything and then some yeah. people get it and they feel really bad and then some people get it and they pass so wash your hands yeah. wear a mask yes indeed we should all be doing that yeah. <laughs> Um, although there's all these lunatics online now who are like kind of going, I'm not gonna, you know, it's like we've been told what to do by the government. It's a big plan to, um, oh, I don't know, that 
Bill Gates is all behind it. Such rubbish. It really annoys me. Yeah, people people always the thing is you you will never know everything. Like you wouldn't. So could conspiracies be right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Obviously, you never know everything. Yeah. I mean, if you watch The Matrix, you could believe that we're all living in a dream and it's exactly all actually just lying in a little plasma thing. Um, but, <laughs> so, um, so tell me, when did you, when did you start, uh, like, did you have an interest in comedy when you were, when you were growing up? Yeah, I've always been interested in comedy. Um, I always tell people that my dad was always the biggest joker, was always the center of attention, was always the funny one. And I've always really enjoyed it. And the prospect of being able to make people laugh and have a career out of it has always appealed to me. But um, I come from a religious East African background. So growing up, we only ever had three choices, to be a doctor, to be a pharmacist, or to be an engineer. And you couldn't skew outside of those three things. So I ended up doing pharmacy. And when I hit 30, I had like my third life crisis. And I thought, if I don't do comedy... I'll never do it. Mm-hmm. So went to an open mic night in a grubby little pub in North Manchester. And it kind of just went from there, really. Right, yeah. And uh, straight off, do you know what kind of... Do you remember what material you were doing, like, the first time? Oh, it was so whack. Like, when I, when I go back and I think about it, I was like, why did people even laugh at me? Why did they encourage me? Um, I can't even... What did I talk about? I think... Do you know what? There's not a lot of, uh, like, female Muslim comedians out there, especially practicing ones. So there wasn't really a lot, like, I could look up to to see what kind of things they did. So I think I, thankfully, at the beginning, I was in a bubble where I spoke about, like, being a Muslim and wearing a hijab. And I I didn't, I don't want my comedy to, to be just about that. It's like, that's not who I am obviously it's part of who I am but it's not entirely who I am but I think what was my joke I can't even remember did I make a Harry Potter joke I think I spoke about Harry Potter I think I must have mentioned Harry Potter not because of the glasses it, it I said uh I can't even bloody remember can you mind it, it, it must right. have been that bad <laughs> sorry no but I mean I suppose you have to refer to the hijab you can't just go on. I guess you've got to kind of refer to it. I Yeah, yeah, I did. Do you know what? It's really funny because with all this, like, talk about, like, harassment in the comedy circuit, and there was one joke that I made about the hijab, and it was about how people underestimated, like, girls who wear it and how people perceive us to be, like, modest and oppressed and, you know, we don't want to speak to men. So I make comments about, like, how the hijab was not only a spiritual barrier, but also a physical barrier to keep all the dirt that swims around in our head, that we're actually very, very nasty, nasty girls, and we need this to lock us down. So I make a joke about how the hijab should be called a hojab instead. <laughs> and so it, I thought it went well or whatever, but my God, the messages that I got after that, I thought, 
fucking hell. Oh, I'm never going to say it. People were like, oh, you've made us really curious. We're definitely going to approach um, girls with hijabs more often now. And one guy was like, I'm really, he was like, I'd love to see you naked, but just with your hijab on. And I was getting literally the craziest messages. So I scrapped that joke because I was like, I'm not risking that ever again. So um, it's taught me oh. to be more selective. Yeah, oh my God, say. that's unbelievable. So they, they were men taking that very seriously. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it was seriously, but I, I think I definitely sparked some curiosities out there. Maybe I've, like, started a new fetish. I should get, you... I should get money for that. <laughs> well, it's probably similar to the, the uh, Catholic fetish for nuns, you know. Yeah, I could the be idea. like the nun version, yeah, I could be the Muslim version, yeah. Let's work together. We can do something with that, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could do a you could do a, a Muslim Father Ted type show, you know. <laughs> yeah, I could, you know. <laughs> All right. And uh, so, so, so uh, straight off, did you did you um, start hitting the circuit like on a regular basis? Oh yeah. So when I did that first gig, there was a promoter there, like a, just a small time promoter who had like two gigs going. So he asked me to perform at his gigs and then somebody else saw me and then the word went round. So no joke, within like three, four weeks, I was doing three or four gigs a night. Not like massive ones, but like everywhere. I was going to Manchester because I was in the Northwest at the time. So I was gigging in Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, some places that I didn't even know the name of. So I think it was more of a curiosity thing. Because even the first time when I went to the first open mic, um, it's called, it was a, in a place called the Comedy Balloon. And I went inside and the security guard was like, are you okay there, love? Um, are you lost? And I was like, I don't think so. Is this the Comedy Balloon night? And he was like, uh, yeah, uh, straight up. So, and I could tell by his face, it's like, you know, no one, he, they probably never seen a hijabi Muslim girl come into a pub before. So I think like, that's what kind of sparks off a lot of people's um, curiosity. And uh, yeah, I think it was more like, you know, what the hell could possibly come out of her mouth. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite blessed to say All that right, yeah. it did kick off quite, quite well in a short period of time. Yeah. 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 But obviously there's that uh, element that, that you're uh, wearing the hijab and people are, are like, find that unusual. But I mean, you're, Genuinely funny. I mean, you, you, it, it wouldn't really work if you weren't funny. <laughs> well, I'd like to think that. So I, I think like initially it is curiosity, but, um, like I always say that I work very hard. And the thing is, um, even though I started doing comedy at 30, um, I've always been writing. I've always been watching. I've always been, you know, so I've always been working on it. It's not like, you know, I just sprung out of nowhere and here we go. Um, like I've I've been writing for a really long time and I did well, but people do kind of throw the whole, oh, she's doing well because she's a niche because there's no one like her. And that pisses me off. Um, but like people don't um, kind of see that there a lot of work went on behind it. There's a, there are hijabi girls that are doing comedy and, you know, they're not all. Is that rude to say? I don't know. Is it? Oh, I don't go shit. They're not all famous. Well, I don't know. I haven't personally gone to see them. I will always support my own if they're funny. You have to be very careful what you say here now. <laughs> uh, 
basically what I'm saying, if it was about niche, then every niche person would do it and like be big, but it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of dedication, a lot of writing, a lot of uh, watching other people's material, reading other people's material, getting inspiration and putting things together because if you're worried, and I get this a lot, it's because I'm white and I'm male. That's why I can't make it. I am more than happy to give you a Quran. I'm more than happy to donate you a hijab. And if you think that's what's going to get you on the market, then please come and see me. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, it's the way it is with comedy. Uh, no matter what you do, even if you're big and famous and, and have done some, I don't know, sitcom. With, if you're not funny in the first five minutes, it, you know, there's a big kind of wow factor even for famous people, right? For five minutes. But then if they're not funny. Then you're not funny. So I did the uh, Frog and Bucket, the Beat the Frog. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I used to do the Frog and Bucket years ago. I don't know. Is Beat the Frog a, a uh, competition? It's a gong show. So basically you have to impress within five minutes. And at any point they can like, press, like they'll pick three people from the audience. They pick up a red card. And if you're whack, they'll put up the red cards. And if you get three red cards, they gong you off. And the whole purpose of this is to show you that the first five minutes of your comedy is so crucial that you have to kind of get people's attention like within five minutes. And if you don't, then so if you can make it through the five minutes, well, that shows that yeah. you are doing uh, something you're worth listening to regardless of, you know, what you look like or this or that or this or that. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it's very important the first five minutes. I think even the first 30 seconds, the first when you just come on are so important. If you screw that up, it's very, you spend the next half hour trying to trying to get the back, you know, it's very important. Same, yeah, of same course. Same as meeting people, just meeting people for the first time. Or start, you make your decision probably in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, so, and that's exactly what it is, isn't it? You are meeting someone. You're kind of, you're kind of like deciding whether you want to listen to this person or not. And I think you can kind of know that quite quickly, I think. Oh, I think, so. mm-hmm. I think, I think you pick up physical kind of cues from people. We don't really A know vibe. it's all subconscious, but yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what's your father thing now? So your father's like, was, is quite funny, is it? Would he always be kind of... My dad is hilarious. Like, he is literally, literally, literally hilarious. Um, I don't tell him I'm a comedian because in their head, a comedian is someone that wears a colourful wig and a big red nose that's 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 that's, that's what they think they do like um like where I come from like comedians aren't articulate you know they uh, the words in Sudanese is awara they 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 just do stupid things like they talk stupid and they act stupid but they it's not like comedy here like comedy here in some cases is quite intelligent like you're telling stories you're raising awareness doing it in a humorous way to educate people and make them laugh at the same time. So because they don't watch English comedy or American comedy or whatever, in their head, that's the concept of comedy. So my dad saw me perform at a culture for, uh, at the culture forum in London. And um, I was doing comedy, but from what he was seeing, it was just hosting, but being funny. So I've just stuck to that. I'll tell him I'm a host with a humorous twist. Yeah, I, I, I know that even in Eastern Europe, maybe it's changing now, but their idea of comedy is funny guy, you know, funny clown type people. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to think that's not what I'm like. I'd like to think that. You definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I've been, I watched a couple of things you've done online. So, uh, with obviously with the lockdown, you kind of have to go online and and do mm. a, a couple of rants I've watched, which are quite funny as well. And, yeah. uh, uh, is that something that you feel like you have to do now? Is kind of is it something that you're comfortable with doing online? comedy um i think it's you kind of got no choice i know it sounds really bad but obviously if i had a choice between live comedy and online comedy i'd go for live comedy in a heartbeat but at the end of the day you've got to utilize what uh, materials you have you've got to utilize what platforms you have and make the most of the situation that you're in um but i obviously much prefer to perform in front of a live audience because you've kind of got that ambiance and you've got that you know that vibe and you're like connecting with people and stuff like that but you know you gotta do what you gotta do yeah i know we've got to we've got to wait and hope there's a vaccine and we'll all be back yeah um and so how do you see your like would you like to do a something outside of stand-up uh you know acting or um oh yeah like yeah, yeah yeah i'm open to anything um so I did a bit of uh because part of my comedy is acting you know like imitating people uh so like I feel that there is a lot of acting in comedy in itself but yeah I would love to get into that I'd love to get into film or sketches or um you know yeah it's something I'm very 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 open to so hopefully in the near future you might see me pop up somewhere. <laughs> I'd say you'd be brilliant, to be honest. Yeah. Thank You've you. Got that. You know, some some stand-ups you go, oh yeah, they're 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 just stand-ups. But some people, you know, they have that personality to be able to to do different characters. And uh, I suppose, like, you kind of act out your comedy even on stage. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, because I'm not just talking from like about me. Sometimes I'll be like talking about an experience where I was spoke to someone and something that he did and I'd have to get into the character of that person and you're like flipping from one thing to another so um that in itself I think can be difficult because you're literally jumping from one person to the other it's not like I speak somebody so like for example if I went oh I went into the shop and the shopkeeper said can you give me 50p that's me talking but like I'm the kind of person where I wouldn't do that I'll be like I went into the shop and the shopkeeper went, boy, give me 50p, for example. That was such a shit example. So bad, but for example. So, like, you know what I mean? So, like, I kind of, like, talk out the character rather than just word character. That I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, though. You act out, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you're your uh, stand-up. Yeah, no, that's cool. So do you think, like, are, are you uh, – at what point would you say, I'm going to do this full-time? Because you'd have to give up, like, an a uh, fairly – good career at any time the second <laughs> i can pay my rent uh pay my bills uh, pay my car insurance pay my phone i will drop it like really i'll yeah. keep registered just in case i get broken i have to do some shifts but yeah comedy's my life the thing is people are like oh you save lives why would you do comedy if you're saving lives comedy you save lives you make people laugh just like you know, you're you're helping people be happy rather than be alive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, incredibly important. 
think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And at the end of the day, it's like what you're passionate about. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I, I might, it's a very rewarding job what I do, but it's not what I see. My, it's not, it's not what like I can wake up in the morning and be like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Like, this is my life. Like, this is something that I would never, like, if you, if, if, I would not have thought four years ago that I would be having a conversation like this, let's put it this way. So for me, it's like what drives me to work hard, what drives me to like excel and that's comedy. So if another pharmacist wants to judge me, judge away. <laughs> and, and, uh, are you, uh, have you ever had any negative kind of blowback for, from, uh, the Islamic community for, for doing what you're doing? Uh, well, I, I, I did one Islamic event, uh, probably the last one I'll ever do. Um, but I think they just <laughs> didn't get it. It was very, it was one of the most, probably the worst experiences of my life. And I had a, um, I've had abscesses in horrible places, but that performance in front of an Islamic community was worse than that experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've all had them. Every comedian's had the, the, uh, it's like corporate gigs, you know, where they're just too stuffy. I find if you get a corporate gig, for some reason, people uh, don't want to hear rude words because they're at a corporate gig and their boss is watching them. And they don't want to be seen to be laugh, laughing at something that might be a bit rude. Yeah, so, I, so in a nutshell, I didn't know it was an Islamic event. I got contacted by Manchester University and they said they have an event and they want me to perform. And it was during Ramadan. So I didn't know it was an Islamic event. A week before, I found out that a few people had backed out. So I was like, why have so many, like the musician had backed out, the singer had backed out. And I was like, what's going on? And they were like, oh, they said it's not suited for them. And I was like, why, what what about it is not suited for them? Um, So eventually, a few days before, I got a contract and it said, no um, sexual references, no swear words, basically, no um, political uh, whatever. And I kind of looked at the contract and I was like, so they basically want me to get on stage and stay silent because this is my whole set. Um, so I messaged them and I was like, look, I can't stick to this. Um, it's I can't. It's not my vibe. It's not my this, not my that. P.S. Are you sure? This is an, it's not an Islamic event. And they were like, no, it's not. And you know what? This is just a formal thing. Just come in, blah, blah, blah. I came in to this place. I'll walk in and it's segregated. Men on one side, border, women on the other side. And all the women were like covered up, like very, said if you were herby looking. And I thought, what did I just walk into? I get given like a flyer with the um, performances of the day. And it was like, speaker one, how to repent your sins. Speaker two, how to, the easiest path into paradise. Speaker three, how to like, be wholesome during Ramadan, speaker for Olila Bib, and I just thought, oh my God. So I went straight to the organizer that was there and I was like, look, this is not my vibe. This is, this is an Islamic event. I was like, I cannot do it. And she was like, oh please, you know, bliss and that and this and that and this and that. So do you know what? I just got my notebook and I just started scribbling out anything that I thought could possibly offend any of these people. Bearing in mind I am one of them, but I but it looked very, very very orthodox so I got on stage and I thought you know what my Jeremy Carl joke very easy nothing rude it's all about how my mum didn't speak a lot of English but then she started watching the Jeremy Carl show and started picking up English from them so started speaking like 
them basically. And I thought that's something people can relate to. So I was like, oh, you know, we're all upset that the Jeremy Carl show got cancelled. Who's upset that the Jeremy Carl show got cancelled? And everybody's just looking at me like, and I was like, do any of you know who Jeremy Carl is? Silence. And I thought, oh shit, I've got a lot to work with. And I thought, you know what? Game of Thrones. Who doesn't watch Game of Thrones? I personally don't. But according to British statistics, only like 10% of people under the age of 18 don't watch Game of Thrones. So I was like, oh, this, 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 Game of Thrones. So yeah, I was like, who watches Game of Thrones? Nobody answered. So at this point, I was getting pissed off. Like it was really irritating me. And I was like, are you telling me in this room of 300 people, no one's ever watched Game of Thrones? I could see people looking at each other. And at that point, I lost the plot. I was like, look, guys, I didn't want to have to call this, but this is the holy month of Ramadan. And one of the worst things you can do during the holy month of Ramadan is lie. So I will ask this one more time. And God is witnessing this. Who in this room watches Game of Thrones? One Somali guy at the front was like, I was like, why are you looking so sad? I said, you're not going to go to hell for watching Game of Thrones. And then everybody was like looking at him like really judgingly. And I was like, you know what? I came here to tell a couple of jokes, but the only joke is (laughs) the fact that I'm here. So enjoy your evenings and God give you all the blessings. I put my mic down and I left. And she was like, you haven't completed your set. I was like, don't give me the money. I don't want it. Donate it to whatever fund you've got going here. But that was my worst gig ever. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's a funny story, though. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still trying to get over it. To be honest, people are like, "Oh, why don't you talk about it?" I was like, "I'm still trying to get over it. Once I'm over it, I will fully talk about it." <laughs> no, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth experiencing that for the for the hilarious story. Yeah, maybe. Um, do you feel devastated after something like that? Like, are you going home going, oh, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know. I think, I think the only thing that annoyed me was the fact that I asked and I was misinformed. I think that annoyed me. Um, mm. I get why they wouldn't find it funny. Like, if I was in their shoes, if I went to an Islamic event and then they got a comedian, I would probably appreciate it because me, but then... If I was with my parents, for example, for example, I can kind of, I could, I'd cringe on their behalf. Do you know what I mean? And there were people who were of older ages and stuff like that. So I was embarrassed and I felt awkward. But at the end of the day, I performed to weird and weird and wonderful people. So for me, I just see it as a challenge. Like I can make anybody laugh. Do you know what I mean? Uh, found out later that about 40% of the audience didn't even speak English. They probably had no idea what I was saying anyway. So it was kind of a lose-lose situation. Yeah, yeah. And I understand what you mean. Like uh, you don't want to, you don't want an older lady or a man to, to, uh, I've been in situations, say like I'm doing a gig in a small village in Ireland and the whole village are there. And then I start into something that's about religion. And then I just ask, you know, and then I see this old lady kind of going, oh, I don't want to hear this. And I go, oh, maybe I should just steer away from it. I don't want to ruin her evening. <laughs> oh, but the Irish have such a great, I, I love do. performing for the like, an Irish. Cause they've got such an amazing sense of humor. They're always like ready to laugh and ready to have fun. I don't know if I'm just very generalizing, like proper generalizing here. 
that um do you know what i'm going i'll i'll get you down to do the next ramadan event how about that i'll put your name forward i'll do that and you can come over to ireland and and do a, a gig around easter, <laughs> easter <time>. <laughs> <laughs> and they love that sounds so, like a fair um, trade <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you should come out to Ireland and do gigs so sometime. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I think you'd love it over here. People are quite friendly. Um, so I, uh, I when I contacted you, I I I I let you know that at the at the end of this chat, I'm going to ask you for to re- recommend an act that maybe. I haven't heard of, or, or anyone that's watching hasn't heard of, that you reckon is really good. So have you thought about that? Yeah, I've had a thing. So um, I started off at the comedy set, like, from scratch. So I thought of all the people that I've watched during my journey who have had the same journey as me. And there's one guy called Silham who I found really, and I find really, really funny because, uh number one, he was born with this, like, voice thing so his voice is always hoarse so he sounds like he's smoked like 60 cigars um and that that obviously had me going from the beginning because he talks about it and um he's like an asian guy your typical asian guy that's come from bradford and he talks about that as well and how his parents and like i just related to him so much because his he talks about because he was raised by his grandparents and he just talks about it. it's just he's just he really makes me laugh so maybe that's one to um oh yeah what's, look at. His, name? what's his name silham shazam I'll, I'll i'll send you his at uh on ig oh yeah brilliant thanks a lot so uh he'll be fun to talk to oh that'll be fantastic and uh, yeah and thanks for coming on and and uh what what's what are you planning for the future now in comedy how do you see things going um I'm hoping well people there's a lot of outdoor comedy and stuff like that but my mentality is mate if you've opened pubs and restaurants why haven't you opened comedy clubs like I just don't understand the concept I went to um a restaurant about three four days ago and it was it was packed like it was honestly packed and I felt like when I go to see comedy I have a lot more space around me than I did then. And there's people like eating and talking. So not only are, is COVID coming out of their mouth, COVID's attaching to food particles that are spraying out anyways. So it's probably more risk. So I just think it's about time they, um, sort it out. I, um, did the gig for the frog and bucket, uh, the first post lockdown gig. And I just thought it was beautifully organized, beautifully done, social distancing. Everything. So I, I'm, I'm hoping based on the pilot after this two week, uh, period that hopefully things will go back to normal, really. I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing my first live gig in about five months tonight, actually. So. Oh, um, but, social distanced or just like back to normal? It's outdoors in a garden. Ah. And, uh, so it's outdoor, that's okay. Uh, but you know, the weird thing about it is, I'm like really nervous because kind of almost forgotten how to do a live gig. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so nerve wracking. So that was my first one, like that in months and it just watch your stuff back. But I was proper, I was hacking it big time, but 
you'll be fine. You're a funny guy. People know who you are. So smash yeah, it. no, I'll be okay. I'm going to look at, at uh, some of my stuff back just to remind myself um, h- how I do it. So yeah, um, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. And the se- like within, I, I'd say within like five seconds of being up there, it was just like made me realize literally how much I miss it and just make the most of it because you don't know when if you know things will they will decide oh actually no we don't want it anymore do you know what i mean so yeah just make the most of it it'll be so much fun yeah I'm jealous, so. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't know what's going to happen during the winter it's probably going to lock down again but um listen it's been really nice chatting to you your stuff is amazing. oh you too thank you so much thank you really good and the stuff you're doing on on um online as well is hilarious so oh thanks joe thank you so oh uh, yeah thanks a lot have a a good day thanks for coming on the need to know comedy show and um uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your career if, all right bye bye uh... okay see you later take care Bib there. What a wonderful person. And so next week, I think I'll be uh, talking to a girl called Erin Tett, who is absolutely fabulous as well. In the meantime, if you want to uh, check out my improv show, not my improv show, the Dublin Comedy Improv Show, it's on every Monday night on a Zoom link. You can join us on Zoom. We're also on Facebook Live. But if you want to contribute easier to the show you can join us on zoom and your suggestions will be used no doubt probably but definitely more chance of it and uh it's good crack been doing it all through the lockdown so far and it's it's really good so uh, uh also we have a caption competition where you can win some beer you can find out about that if you join us till the next time have a good life mate When Big Mobile charges you an arm and a leg, they're taking your money and your power. And your arm and leg. Boost Mobile gives your power back with an unlimited plan for $25 a month on one of America's largest 5G networks. We can't give you back your arm and your leg because we're not qualified surgeons. Unless you're an iguana who can grow limbs back. Switch to Boost and get an unlimited plan for $25 a month. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. New customers only. One line, $25 per month with auto pay. Additional restrictions apply. See BoostMobile.com for details.